gospel for today comes from the gospel of Mark, the first chapter. John, the baptizer, appeared in the wilderness proclaiming a baptism for the repentance for the forgiveness of sins. And people from the whole Judean countryside and all the people of Jerusalem were going to him to be baptized by him in the river Jordan, confessing their sins. Now John was clothed with camel's hair, with a leather belt around his waist, and he ate locusts and wild honey. He proclaimed, the one who is more powerful than I is coming after me. I am not worthy to stoop down and untie the thong of his sandals. I have baptized you with water, but he will baptize you with the Holy Spirit. In those days, Jesus came from Nazareth of Galilee and was baptized by John in the Jordan. And just as he was coming up out of the water, he saw the heavens torn apart and the Spirit descending like a dove on him. And a voice came from heaven saying, You are my Son, the Beloved. With you I am well pleased. The Gospel of the Lord. Grace, peace, and mercy to you from God our Father, from our Lord and our Savior Jesus the Christ, and the Holy Spirit who unites us in faith. Amen. So as we all know, this past Wednesday we witnessed a historic, unprecedented, and horrific event as fellow American citizens stormed the U.S. Capitol building in a deadly attempt to thwart the democratic process. What not all of us might be aware of is that on Wednesday, the Western Christian Church entered the liturgical season of Epiphany. It's a season dedicated to the idea of God's presence and goodness being unveiled, revealed, shown to the nations of the earth light in the midst of darkness, order out of chaos. The gospel text for Wednesday, the day of Epiphany, was the story of the Magi presenting themselves and their gifts of gold, frankincense, and myrrh to the Holy Family. You recall, perhaps, that their journey takes place under the orders and watchful gaze of an arrogant and entitled ruler who has received word that his political power will come to an end due to the birth of a new king. Herod's solution to that threat of his power being taken away is a violent one. He has every male infant in the region murdered. He himself does not carry out the violence, but he entrusts his followers to use whatever violent means they see fit in order to accomplish this goal, and they oblige. The wise men, however, upon finding the Christ child, do not return to Herod with news of the child's location, but instead they chose to return home by another road. 
a beautiful and brilliant act of nonviolent resistance. The Magi, those wise men, did their part to disengage from a pattern of violence and destruction. And in so doing, they take a little bit of violence out of circulation. It's a brave decision with history-altering ramifications. So the season of Epiphany begins with a warning about the horrific lengths that individuals intoxicated by worldly power will undertake when that power is threatened. Well, at the same time, acknowledging that nonviolence is the foundation of God's kingdom on earth. The next Epiphany story, the next story of God's presence and goodness being unveiled, revealed, and shown to the nations of the earth is what we heard today. John the baptizer in the wilderness calling people to repent, meaning to do a complete 180, an about-face with their lives in order to be ready for the coming salvation. One person in the crowd heeds the invitation and completely submerges in the cleansing waters of baptism. And as this individual is coming up out of the water, he saw the heavens torn apart and the Spirit descending like a dove on him. And a voice came from heaven saying, You are my Son, the Beloved. With you I am well pleased. This man's life would go on to prove that being loved by God is the true power of the universe and that that love, God's love, cannot be taken away. Perhaps like you, I don't remember my baptism, but I know without a doubt that water was poured over my head along with the declaration that God loves me. If you have been baptized, then you too have heard those wet words of God's love for you. If you have witnessed the community gathered around the baptismal font and applauded as the baby, the teenager, or the adult was presented to your church family, then you have been reminded of the unique way that God's love is being expressed over and over again as those water drops fall on the forehead and return to the font. If you have experienced the pronouncement of God's love for you, then you have within you the most powerful thing in the world. And it is power that cannot be taken away. So less than a week in, we have two epiphany stories of two powerful men, two totally different ways of reacting to God's presence and offer of salvation. Herod was horrified. Jesus was humbled. Both were loved by God, but only one knew that God's love was sufficient and that God's love is the most powerful thing in the world, and that it is power that cannot be taken away. World history is replete with stories of men who reacted violently when their worldly power and positions of privilege were threatened. 
The pages of Scripture tell of scores of rulers, even God-fearing ones, who sought to preserve their worldly power at all costs, even when it meant engaging in violence. Herod is simply one among many. But we don't worship the worldly leaders who react violently when their positions of power and privilege are threatened. Instead, what unites us is our worship and adoration of the one who was humble enough to be washed, who rejected worldly power and false idols, who identified with society's outcasts and gave them hope. We worship the one who is executed by the violent, power-hungry rulers and structures of the world. And we worship the one who rose from the dead, proving once and for all the complete futility of worldly power. So why, then, was Christian imagery referencing the Prince of Peace and the God of Love found on the flags, clothes, signs, and lips of those who stormed the U.S. Capitol on Wednesday? those who express the sentiment that their worldly power and privilege is being stripped away from them unfairly? Why would the baptized and beloved of God resort to violence, or at least be a part of a mob that put others in harm's way? As a representative of Christ's church, I have to publicly condemn not just their actions but their theology that contributed to their sense of right and wrong because it has more to do with Herod than it does Jesus. Many Americans, though sadly not all, were quick to condemn the violence and law-breaking that unfolded in our nation's capital on Wednesday. However, those who participated in the insurgency are not the only ones to be condemned. As an assembly of people who profess to follow Christ above all else, we must take the time to reflect on the ways in which we, too, are prone to react with violence when we feel that our power and our privilege is being taken away from us. This is what it means to remember our baptism, to daily put to death that which seeks to displace God in our lives, and daily to rise to new life as we focus on God alone, God's love alone. The events of this week, the lives that were lost, demand that each and every one of us take an honest look at ourselves how our actions are contributing to the violence that seems so readily accessible today? In what ways do we feel our sense of power and privilege being taken away from us? To what lengths are we willing to go to prevent that from happening? And if our honest answer to those questions scare us, we can remember our baptism. We can remember 
our belovedness. We can repent and turn home by another way. These are the early days of Epiphany. God's presence and goodness and love is being unveiled, revealed, shown to the nations of the earth, light in the midst of darkness, order out of chaos. So we keep watch together. We keep watch over one another. And we do all that we can to remind one another of our belovedness. That is the true power, and it cannot be taken away from us. Amen.